Good morning. I'm John Castle. Welcome. Uh, I want to say welcome to our live stream audience as well. It's great to have you. Uh, it's really nice to see the seats starting to fill up in here week by week. Um, it's really cool. And if, and, and if you're, you're in our live stream audience, um, I just want to say this one thing. Nobody told me to say it, and I might get in trouble. But um, if you do feel comfortable and safe coming in, we would, we would love to see you. I get it. Um, I love sitting at home um, in my recliner with my sweats on and drinking my coffee and no mask, you know, and there's grace for that, but uh, we'd love to have you here. We'd, we'd love to worship with you, and we'd love to hang out with you afterwards and fellowship. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if you're not completely comfortable and safe coming in, then by all the means... Um, you know, stay on the live stream. So, okay. You know, I woke up this morning. I was um, looking out the kitchen window, eating my breakfast, and the sun was shining, you know, and it, the, 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 the rain and everything was still on the grass, and it was just glistening, and the trees were in bloom. You know, the dogwood was all white, and the other tree, I don't know what it is, but it's red. And um, I was so thankful and so excited. You know, it's been... It's been a long winter, and it's been a long, dark COVID winter, and I have never in my life been more excited to see springtime. And um, so I was just really, really thankful and excited and, and uh, excited to, to get in here this morning because our message today is, you know, if it were a movie, it's one of those happy ending movies. And so uh, we are in the last uh, section, or last week of our I Am series, where we've been walking through the Gospel of John and uh, dealing with each of Jesus's I Am statements. And uh, so we're concluding this week, and we're also in the last chapter, chapter of John. That's John 21. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'm going to bounce around a little bit ahead of time, but we're going to read the whole chapter, and we got a lot of ground to cover because we're ending the series today, so I'm going to jump right in, and let's get going. Um, <clears throat> chapter 21 is the epilogue of John, and so, you know, if you picture a movie, you know, you have this climactic series of events, and that all happens, and then the screen fades to black, and you're wondering if the credits are going to roll up or not. And then this next scene comes up and you're all excited because there's just like some piece of the story to finish telling or some character that you forgot about that, you know, you haven't quite heard the end of his story. And so that's where we are. We had this amazing plot line in the, in the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, Jesus starts his ministry three years ago and uh, he calls his disciples and performs all these amazing miracles and, and has this ongoing battle with the uh, religious power structure. And then he gets arrested, he goes through his trial, he gets crucified, and resurrected, and appears to the disciples and Mary and everyone. And chapter 21, John actually, or excuse me, John actually ends chapter 20, uh, the end of the previous section, with the purpose, he states the purpose of his gospel. And that is, now Jesus, and this is uh, verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
and the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so, screen fades to black. And, um, but there's one more loose end, as I said, and that is the character of Peter. What about Peter? You know, he had all of this stuff happen to him, and he denied Jesus, and we haven't finished that story. So we've got to go back a little bit, give some background, and fill in some context before we can, we can get started with him. And so... Peter was Jesus' first disciple, the first disciple that Jesus called. If you remember that scene, he was in his boat, he was fishing, he wasn't catching anything, and Jesus appeared on the shore and said, throw the net on the other side, and um, they caught more fish than they could handle, and Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, and he said, follow me, and Peter did. He obeyed, and he dropped everything, and he followed Jesus, and uh, walked away from fishing, um, sorry. And um, so Peter was also part of Jesus' inner circle, along with John and James. They would steal away and have their little time together. Um, I like Peter. Uh, he's one of those, uh, he'd be one of those guys be good to have on your team and good to have as a friend. He's outgoing, you know, he, he, um, he's impulsive, he's impetuous. Um, he's a sinner, you know, he makes mistakes. And he would often speak before he thinks, and so he ended up putting his foot in his mouth a lot, and uh, um, like the time at the the Last Supper with the feet washing, you know, Jesus went to wash his feet, and he said, no, no, don't, you can't, I'm not going to allow you to wash my feet, and Jesus said, well, I need to wash your feet for you to be cleansed, and Peter said, well, then I'll take a whole bath then, and um, during his ministry, when Jesus was talking about how he would have to go and die, and, or he would eventually have to die and then be raised on the third day, Peter pulled him aside and said, you know, I don't know that you're really on message here. Let's tone down the death talk um, a little bit. And uh, Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. And that was um, uh, just such a, a strong event. And uh, of course, Peter's the guy that when Jesus got arrested, he cut off the soldier's ear, swung his sword. And, and uh, he wanted to be strong in his faith, but he, he kept faltering and kept failing. When Jesus came, walked across the water, Peter jumped out of the boat and went to walk to him and he sank. And, um, but despite Peter's weaknesses, John, excuse me, Jesus had uh, special plans for him. In fact, Jesus said uh, in Matthew, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Peter's original name was Simon, and that actually translates to waffler, somebody that's kind of inconsistent. And so Jesus then named him Cephas, which is Peter, and that stands for the rock. And so this is an amazing calling. For somebody to say, you're going to lead my church at some, at some day. And so, but Peter is probably best known for his denial of Jesus uh, the night before Jesus was crucified. And Jesus predicts this at the last sum, uh, supper. So go back in John a little ways. It says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? Like, really, Peter? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have 
excuse me, denied me three times. And then the denial. So this is after Jesus gets arrested. And uh, from in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, he cuts off the guy's ear. And they take him to the high priest's house, basically. And they're in the courtyard at this point. And so Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. That's John. He always refers to himself in the third party. So since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. And so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. So the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you are also not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. And now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire, interesting detail, charcoal fire, because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. And Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are also not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. And so there's all that I've seen, and we fade out. And in the other gospels, uh, they actually describe it as Peter's denial was, was really strong. In fact, it said that he cursed and swore an oath. So that's like saying, you know, I swear, you know, on my mother's life, and God strike me down if I'm lying, that I do not know him. It was a really strong uh, denial. And so we begin our epilogue. The timeline's a little fuzzy. It's, a, you know, I don't two, three, four weeks. It doesn't really tell us, but um, Peter has had, in this time, a lot of time to think about that night. And can you imagine, you know, the very Lord that he swore that he would follow and had followed for uh, three years, and uh, he said he would follow him to the death. He vehemently had denied him before this lowly servant girl, the, the lowest person in the, in the hierarchical, sociological, you know, uh, ranking, I guess. And um, imagine his remorse, you know, when we fail and how we, how we um, think about that event over and over again. And he's been wrestling with that and his sense of failure and his shame every day for the past few weeks. And uh, I can, can you imagine how he's reminded of his failure, failure every morning when he hears the rooster crow? I never thought about that before, but every single morning, that's how he started his day, the rooster would crow. And I'm sure he was like, ah, you know, enough with the rooster. And um, I have a quick rooster story. Um, my oldest son, I don't like roosters. They, they, they're loud, they're noxious, they, they scare me a little bit. And, um, but, because uh, you never know what they're going to do and when they're going to make that noise. So uh, my oldest son was living with us. He was staying in our basement. Um, his room was down there. And he always had a hard time getting up, and he had to get up early for work every day. So he would use this rooster alarm. And to make sure he heard it, he'd hook it up to his stereo and turn it way up 
And so that thing would go off every morning. And I'm up on second floor, and of course, our HVAC system brings that noise all the way up to our bedroom and the vent, which was right next to my bed. And so every morning, rooster's crowing, and he's not getting up. And so I would lay there for a while and try to block it out, but you cannot block out a rooster. So I finally would throw the covers off and go downstairs. I'd be really angry, and I'd say, get up. And uh, he'd be sleeping right through it at 80 decibels, you know. And um, so that's maybe part of the reason why I don't like roosters. But anyway, back to Peter. So Peter's, he's confused. And, you know, he misunderstood his calling that he had, really, because Jesus had said in their last appearance, his last appearance to them, you know, up in their little Bible study room with the doors locked, he'd said, go and go and, and whoever you forgive, I forgive, and who you choose not to forgive, I, I, I won't forgive. And, and, and so it's kind of, that was kind of part of that last calling that, that Jesus had given them, and he'd forgotten that. So, and... I understand where Peter's at. I know that feeling. I mean, think about the last time you've had a significant personal failure. Um, like, I don't know, a, a, divorce, a failed marriage, um, a lost job, you know, or a broken relationship. Um, with our son, we, uh, he was uh, diagnosed with Asperger's at the age of 21. And... Um, but we didn't know it growing up. And not that that's our excuse. But, you know, he acted out a lot and had a lot of negative behavior. And he couldn't help it, really, because it was how his brain was wired and how it was programmed. And so we thought it was oppositional defiance disorder, you know, ADD, and that was related. But uh, all these different things. And so we would respond to his acting out with discipline, and we would just keep, you know, more acting out, more discipline. We'd take more things away, acting out, discipline. I mean, the kid's room was practically empty at one point, and so, um, and that's, that's just how we, how we responded to that, and um, we learned later that all of that behavior was related to the Asperger's, and, and ironically, the other thing is we were extremely busy with ministry during that time, all through that, about a 10-year period with our kids growing up, and um, we, weren't, we were gone several nights a week. And so, um, so we failed to be there. And how many times, I, can, I can't tell you, I've regretted how we handled that and that I didn't take the time as a parent to say, something's wrong here, and I need to put my ministry aside and invest and, and quit trying to get him to come into my world and go into his world and, and spend whatever. Because especially with Asperger's, it requires more and more of a commitment and dedication. I just didn't do that. And so he's, he's grown up with issues relating and, and forming attachments, and those issues will stay with him the rest of his life. And so, you know, there's just the regret of that and the the desire to just go back, you know. And so Peter's been ruminating over this event 
you know, playing it over and over in his mind. If I could just go back and do it again, you know, I know I, w- I would stand up to that little servant girl. And, um, you know, I was afraid. We start justifying and defending ourselves. Well, I was afraid for my life and uh, scared. And so, yeah. So what's next for Peter? He's confused, living with all the shame and regret. And he's got a family to feed. And so he walks away from the ministry. And he goes back to what he knows and to what he's comfortable with. He goes fishing. And so chapter 21 opens, you know, with this scene. They're on the beach. And um, there's seven of them there. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them said, yeah, we'll go with you. And so it's kind of an example of Peter's leadership, right? Uh, People were still following him. And so here we go. Chapter 21, we got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of scripture to cover, so hang on. And uh, we're going to start in in, uh, verse 4. So just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So they're out there, and they're fishing, and they're not catching anything all all, all night long. Does that sound familiar? You remember that story? Three years later, exact same situation on the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus... Uh, appeared on the shore, and he said, Jesus, I said, children, do you have any fish? Interesting that he referred to them as children. And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Once again, right? So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple, whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. So John John's the author of the book of John, and he always refers to himself or often as the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> and he's always the first one to, to get it, what's going on. And um, so anyway, he's the author, so that's fine. Um, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. I guess it was okay to fish in your underwear back in those days. So the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about 100 yards off. So again, exact same scene. Um, when Peter was called, make you fishers of men, follow me. He's so excited. I mean, he has a chance to talk to Jesus about that failure. And um, he just jumps right out of the boat. That's why I just love Peter's excitement. I get ahead of myself. I did. Okay, here we go. So, nope. There we go. Okay. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with the fish laid out on it and bread. Charcoal fire again. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
So, you have this cool beach breakfast scene, right? And uh, I just love this scene. And Jesus already had a fish fry started, you know. He wasn't fishing, but he had some fish there, right? And uh, bread. And uh, I'm kind of reminded of the, the feeding of the multitudes there. And I think maybe he's reminding them of that provision that they got after they fed all the other people. And um, so the story goes on in verse 5, 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, and he refers to him as his, his uh, previous name, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my, feed my lambs. So this, this passage begs the question, who's Jesus referring to by these, right? And it was it the other disciples, maybe? Uh, was it the life of fishing? You know, we don't know. And it doesn't matter, really, because Peter is on the spot. And so he goes on. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So the question is, why was Peter grieved? And a lot of scholars, a lot of very well-known scholars, say that Jesus was using different forms of the word love. So there are three different forms of uh, that word in the Hebrew language, and we have one called love. So two of those are brotherly love, phileo, and and another one is agape, or sacrificial love, and that's the highest form of love. And so some think that, you know, Jesus was, you know, was playing back and forth on those two meanings of love, but John actually, I don't know, I don't think so, because um, John actually uses those two words interchangeably throughout his writing. And John's an expert on love. He uses, he, he uses that word 87 times in all of his writings, which is far and away more so than any of the other uh, New Testament writers. And so I think it's something different. John emphasizes the three times. And he writes it, that, that he was asked three times. And then he goes through the narrative of the three times. I think John is pointing us back to that charcoal fire in the courtyard, you know, and you know how smells have a way of bringing back memories, and charcoal fire has a very distinct smell, and so Jesus is asking him once for every time that Peter denied him, and so on that third time, Peter puts it together, and all that shame, and that guilt, and that failure, that that he had been dealing with for the past few weeks and the smells and everything. I think it all just came back to him at that moment and it just crushed him emotionally. And so 
Um, so he was grieved. And by asking Peter three times, Jesus is giving Peter an opportunity to fully affirm his love for Jesus. So what's really happening here in this scene? Jesus is restoring Peter. So, you know, no matter what we've done or what mistakes we've made or whatever shame or guilt that we're carrying at this point, if we can set aside our pride, if we can set aside our, our, our self-preservation and humble ourselves and just jump out of the boat, Jesus will meet us where we're at and he'll restore us. It's like Joel said, he'll restore the years that the locust has eaten. And so Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said, John explains it, this he says to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me just like he did that first time. And it's interesting, he denied Jesus to avoid death. And he made the choice to follow Jesus, and he's promised death. And so, love. Love is the most powerful, of all the emotions, it's the most powerful. It's the only emotion that would motivate someone to die for another person. And so, all throughout this series, we've wrestled with this idea of belief. You know, each of the I am stories, has, it's, it's culminated in some way around this concept of belief. And, in fact, 10 of the 12 disciples were martyred. And there's, there's evidence outside of the Bible from the first century historians that support that. And so that... You know, for those martyred disciples, that is love and belief on their part that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the I am. He is God. And so Peter turned, we're in verse 20 now, turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And he repeats his calling. And so, you know, Jesus says, oh, good, I'm, okay, you love me. We've, we've, you're, you're, we've established that. So now you're going to die for me. And Peter, I think they're, they're walking at this point, and Peter's like, okay. What about him? <laughs> He's looking over his shoulder at John, and Jesus says, what about him? You know, what is that to you? So Peter's looking horizontally right here. He's comparing at this point. And, uh, you know, is the same thing going to happen to him that happened to me? Is it going to be fair? And, and, um, but Jesus reiterates his commission. He says, no, you follow me. So, and Peter does, and he makes many, many mistakes, um, before and after this event. But Jesus chose Peter. 
and Peter obeyed. So Peter goes on to do amazing things. Uh, not long after that was the Pentecost. And Peter got up and preached that day, and there were 3,000 people that were saved that in one day. You think that's amazing. So Jesus isn't looking for perfection from us or charisma or talent, but he's looking for those who really love him. And he's saying to us, follow me. I'm going to go ahead and have the band come up here as we start to wrap things up. So, verse 23. So the saying spread abroad among many of the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? So John felt the need here to stop the rumor mill. Um, And, of course, he's talking about himself. And he says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. And this is the final verse of of the entire book. And who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so John picked these seven amazing miracles and events that happened for us to prove his case. A case that he stated, his thesis, he stated at the beginning of his gospel, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that Jesus is God. And so this concludes the book of John. So, oh, what about the rooster? We haven't talked about the rooster. To Peter, the rooster represented condemnation and reminder of failure, right? But roosters crow at the beginning of the day. And that rooster crowed at the beginning of the day that Jesus was crucified. And so at the moment of Jesus' crucifixion, when he was hanging there on the cross, and he died on the cross, and the clouds rolled in, and it got as dark as night, the veil of the Old Testament temple, where the Old Testament law was carried out with the sacrificial system, um, that veil was supernaturally torn in two and opened up. And that signified that the Old Testament law has been completely fulfilled. And that today is a new day and the new covenant began at that very moment. The new covenant is the fulfillment of God's promise that he will forgive sins and restore relationship with those that turn to him And Christ's death on the cross is the basis for that promise, if we believe. So, if we believe. So, even roosters can be restored. So, I want you to think about something this week. And I want you to pray about it. 
want you to meditate and talk about this in your cell groups too. Picture yourself around that fire in the morning with Jesus and he looks at you, he looks you in the eyes and he says, do you love me? What does that look like to you to really love Jesus? And he says, will you follow me? And that's a little bit different for all of us, isn't it? And I think we all know what that means to us personally. So we probably won't have to die for Jesus. But will you choose to live for him? So please think about those things this week. Talk about it. And that's it. That's the end of John. Let's pray. God, thank you. And humble our hearts, God. Help us with our unbelief. We just thank you, God, for the gift of your son. For the promise that you will restore us. And that by believing in you, Lord, we'll be, we'll be reconciled to you. And thank you for how you fulfilled that promise of the new covenant. And so we just look forward to praising you this morning and worshiping you together. And you are worthy of all of our praise and all of our, all of our uh, worship and all of our love. Thank you for loving us, God. Amen.